Hey, listen, I'm going to start this morning with a little bit of an awkward question. Do we, do we have any suckers in the house? I mean, there's one born every minute, right? Isn't that the word on the street? So there, there's got to there's be some in here, right? You know, I, you know, sometimes I actually wonder, are we suckers or would we just like for something to come easy every now and then, right? I mean, who doesn't want rock hard abs and a perfect body by just taking a pill for four weeks? Who doesn't want, who doesn't want that? Or not, some of you, a uh, pill's not going to do that. You have to work. So you buy that video and the, and the stretchy thingy, Mabob, and you'll get rock hard abs and a perfect body in like five minutes a day, right? Right? Now, some of you aiming a little bit higher than that, you're, you're, you're buying the secret system. For $340, you can buy the secret system to making $34,000 a month. And you don't even work. You just sit at home and count money. I mean, what an incredible opportunity. Folks, do you realize what people buy? (laughs) I mean, this stuff is sold and they keep selling it because we're buying it. Some of you right here in the very room right now have bought that stuff, haven't you? Come on now. Let's be honest. Yes, it's... Hey, there's something, I think, in all of us, whether we buy that off the TV or not, that just wants something to come easier. Well, I'm, I'm kind of playing on that today. I'm anticipating that character quality in you. And I want to offer you, I want to sell to you a system, three principles that will absolutely make your life work. All situations for all people, you'll never regret anything again, ever. No failure. I I mean, everything, you'll always know what to do. Never a wrong decision. I mean, folks, it just makes life work that well. Now, I say it's simple. Let me, let me make sense of that. This system, these three principles will absolutely simplify and clarify what you're to do next. You will always know what to do next. Now, what you do next might be hard. <laughs> what you do next might be go, you know, kind of go against the grain. It might go against your own nature. There might be a little challenge, but folks didn't have to battle knowing what to do next. Well, well, these three principles will enable you to always know what to do next. This system is so good, you'll never have a bad day again. Okay, I may be overselling at that point. But, but here's the beauty of this system. When you're having a bad day, these three principles will help you drive right through it and come out where you want to be. And here's the good news, folks. I'm not selling you a system. And here's even the better news. It's not a hoax. This, this is a real opportunity. It is a promise from God for you. We're continuing today our series called Honor. You've known, you know the principle now, honor the Lord and he will honor you. You know that word honor means to make heavy, to make weighty, to make significant. Make God's word, make God's will, make God's desires heavy in your thinking, weighty in your decisions, significant in what you do, and God will make your life weighty. God will make your life significant. He'll make your life count. So this series has then been talking about How we honor the Lord. Now there's kind of, I said this in the very beginning, there's two directions to go in honoring the Lord. One direction is to honor the things that God says to honor. We honor him when we honor what he wants us to honor. And that's where we've been for a lot of our messages, haven't we? We've talked about honoring life, honoring marriage, honoring kind of God's design and structure of the home. Last week, we looked at honoring authorities. So that's one way of honoring the Lord. Another way to honor the Lord is to honor him the way he says to honor him. To, to honor him, not that we're honoring something here, but we're honoring him. And we're going to look today at three passages. We're going to get three principles. As a matter of fact, here's the scary part. 
This is actually three sermons. I'm going to preach three sermons today. I hope you brought a sack lunch. Hey, what are you going to do? It's freezing outside. Okay. No, we really are. Each one of these passages is, is a sermon unto itself, a message unto itself. Each of these principles stands alone. But I kind of decided that let's take these three principles and bring them together as they lead us to one goal. One thing we want to do in life. And folks, that's make life work. Right? Always be able to make the right decision, go in the right direction, do the right things. Now, is this going to work? Three sermons in one? I I mean, you know the other two sermons left, the other two uh, services left, right? So it won't last all day. Let's see if it works a third time. Our first sermon, our, our first principle is something I think we don't think about much, although it's a command in our life from God. You and I are to honor the Lord. If you want life to work, you are to honor the Lord with your body, your your physical being. Look at this up here from 1 Corinthians 6. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Your body is the house of God. And that, that's not true because you're such a good structure. You're such a pure and holy structure. No, that, that's just true because God did that. God, God gave you the Holy Spirit to, to live in you. So we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are not your own for you were bought with a price. So glorify. Now folks, that word glorify, that's a synonym. That, that's something very much like the word honor. You really could just come right in here and put the word honor. Okay. So that's, that's how this verse commands us to honor God in your body. We're to honor the Lord with our body. That's the command. That's the directive. Two reasons why. Because the Holy Spirit is living in us and because we were bought at a price. Hey folks, how's this for a cold hard truth? No pun on the word cold. You don't belong to you. You don't get to do what you want with your body because it's not your body. This is God's body. He is the inventor of it. Okay, he owns the, 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 the intelligent rights to this. He, he created it. He designed it. It's his materials. It's his resources that, that put all this together. It's his body. And we stole it. We stole it and we took it for a joy ride. And on that joy ride, we crashed with everything we could. We crashed into other people. We, we destroyed our machine. We crashed into other machines. We, we wreaked havoc everywhere we went on our joy ride. And folks, the law has impounded your body. And in that impounding, you are literally just sitting here waiting till an eternal judgment, a punishment, an eternal imprisonment. But, but then God, in this incredible move of love, in this incredible move of grace, he comes and he, he pays the fines. He pays the fines for all the laws we broke. He, he, he pays for fixing all the things we ran into. And then with his body, the one that he owns, he buys it back. He, he, he buys it to correct it. And so folks, the only appropriate response now, it was appropriate before, but how much now? That I use this body to honor him. I don't use this body to do something that he wouldn't use it to do. I do use this body to do things that he would do. It's his body. Think about how many decisions you make in a day that engage your body. The answer is all of them. We're we're always engaging our body in, you know, whatever I want. As a matter of fact, do you know what you use your body for? To honor and glorify you. 
Whatever your mind thinks of, this is my goal, this is my my desire, this is what I want. And then your brain engages your physical being, it engages your body to give honor, to give significance and weight to what you want. It would be an awesome thing if it was your body, but it's not. So I've got, I've got to redirect that thinking. I now, I now have to engage this body not to give weight to what I'm thinking, but to give weight to what God's thinking. It's His. I mean, folks, how about we just fly in the face of our American rights for a moment? You do not have the right to do with your body whatever you want. Not in public, not in private. It's His body. They're His eyeballs, Right? So don't put anything in front of him that he wouldn't put in front of him. It's his tongue. I don't think I've ever spit my tongue at a congregation before. It's the first time for everything, right? It's his. So don't use this. What do we use this for? To speak. Don't use it to say something that he wouldn't use that tongue to form words to say. Use the tongue to say words he would say. It's his eyeballs. It's his tongue, his hands, his feet. It's his body. We use it to honor him. We use it to show who he is in our life. Hey, if you want to do something stupid and wrong with your body, that's fine. Except it's not your body. We don't have the right to do that. It's his. Our right is to serve him. Our right is to engage this body in pointing to who God is in our life. And that's our first sermon. That's our first principle. Use your body to show who God is in your life. Think about what am I showing? I'm showing that I have an owner. I'm showing that I have a designer. I'm showing that I have a redeemer. Because he bought me back. It's all his. We use our body to show who he is in our lives. A lot of our young people today... When, this weekend have been through a ceremony we call here a purity weekend. And, and, and folks, you know, as they go through that, you think about the decisions you make with your body. They, they made a commitment a moment ago. We, we did it in the second service. And, and it said, hey, we're going to pursue purity in the way we dress. You know, when you make a decision to dress your body, whose body is it? It's his. Think how often we put something on and we look in the mirror and say, does this honor me? Does this exalt me? Will this attract well, we'll just stop there. That, that can't be my thinking. We dress to honor and exalt him. I can't do what I want with my body because it's, it's his. So this answers very practical questions about sexual relationships and violence and anger and where I take this body and what I put in this body and how I use it. Folks, don't make it harder than it is. It really is very simple. Is this what God would do with this body? Make that a question you're asking every day, all day. Okay, our second sermon and uh, our second passage, what we're going to do now, we, first one, we're going to use our body to honor the Lord. The second sermon is we're going to use our decisions to honor the Lord. Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Boy, that's, that's the hard part right there, isn't it? I mean, I think a lot of us in here, we trust the Lord, right? And we're certainly trying to trust the Lord. It's the all that we have a hard time with. Because see, I trust the Lord. I trust myself a little bit. I trust some certain friends a little bit. You see, we start divvying out our heart to, okay, this part of my heart's going to go here for direction. This part's going to go. No, we trust the Lord with all. A hundred percent of our heart is engaged with seeking where God is going and where he wants me to go. Do not lean on your own understanding. That is a profoundly important line because it flies in the face of maybe the most dominating piece of human wisdom people live by. 
follow your heart. No, no, it's, it's, folks, it's amazing how many times even in, in church, well, you know, you, need to, you just got to follow your heart. You know, it's, it's like when we say follow your heart, all of a sudden we're just talking about the core of truth and sincerity and genuineness. Once somebody says they're following your heart, boy, it's hands off, you know, you got to leave it alone there. I mean, they're following their heart. You know what God says about your heart in Jeremiah 17 verse 9? He says, your heart is wicked. And it's deceitful above all else. Who can understand it? Which is why it says, don't, don't follow your heart. Don't lean on your, under, uh, your own understanding. You're trusting in Him. And you're in all your ways, all your decisions, everything you're doing, everywhere you're going, you're acknowledging Him. Guess what acknowledging is? That's a synonym for the word honor. That's right. Say it like you mean it honor. That's right. All of these verses, man, is telling me how to honor the Lord. When we are honoring somebody, we're acknowledging them. Hey, I'm acknowledging God has an idea here. I'm acknowledging that God has a, a way here. You know what I love about this? It says, in all your ways. Hey, listen, it's, I'm, I'm making a decision here. Hey, God's not necessarily saying which decision I have to make. Now, that's moral decisions. He does say that, right? No, you don't, you should not kill somebody. No, you should not be sexually immoral. But folks, on non-moral decisions, do I take this job or that job? Hey, that's your way. Hey, have fun, make a choice. But do it in a way that acknowledges me. So see, I can come up on a decision, I can say, okay, if I go right here, how can I do that in a way that acknowledges him? If I go left here, how can I do that in a way that acknowledges him? As a matter of fact, maybe the way I'll make the decision is I'll think, hey, you know what? It looks like this way will be easier to acknowledge him if I go in that direction. Man, we make all kinds of decisions all of the time, don't we? mundane decisions, uh, very important. We decide, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I decide what I'm going to wear today. Whose body are we dressing? God's body. That's right. God, where, I decide what I'm going to wear today, what I'm going to eat, where I'm going to go, what I'm going to do. Maybe we're making those bigger decisions. Do I take this job or that job? Do I go to this school or that school? Do I marry or not marry? If I marry, do I marry that one? Hey, listen, as you come up on all those decisions, God says, hey, listen, I don't want you stressed out. I want you to have fun. I I want you to make good and right decisions. And here's the key. Acknowledge me. Do that in a way that acknowledges who I am in your life. Now, that means, well, how, how do you do that? Well, folks, that's what we have this book for. We don't follow our heart. Oh, I think my heart would do. I think my heart tells me that God would want this. No, your, your heart will lie to you. You get, you get in God's word. You know what you do is you go home and you, know, you read a couple of pages in the Bible and tomorrow you wake up and you read a few more pages and the day after that you read a few more pages and you, keep, you just keep reading until you get to the maps. And then guess what you do? You start over. And, and, and you just keep reading and reading and reading this book. You consume this book until this book consumes you. You see, if I'm going to acknowledge him, I've got to know what his heart is. I've got to know what his mind is. My heart and my mind do not naturally know the heart and mind of God. But guess where God's heart and mind is found? It's found in this book. So I'm in here meditating on it, marinating in it. The more I'm in it, obviously, the more it gets to where I have God's heart and mind. And I can most readily, I can most readily decide what acknowledges him. You know what's interesting? I actually think most of this is easy. I mean, I, th- I think the average person would say, you know, is, is this what God would do with his hand? Because it's his hand. 
Is this what God would do with this tongue? Because it's, it's his tongue. I think we know. I, I, I think we really do. I don't think this is hard. The problem is our heart deceives us. Our heart lies to us. I, I, I don't know how many times I've heard, lots of times, I've heard people say, well, I just believe, I just believe God's made this available for me. I just believe that God is providing this. And what they're saying is that God is providing or leading or directing in a way that is in direct contradiction to his scripture. Folks, this is God's heart and mind. He does not lead you in a way that contradicts his heart and mind. He's not making up a special little principle for you. So the goal is not how I get God's heart and mind to come to where I am, but how do I get my heart and mind to go to where God is? And the more I'm in here, then the easier it becomes to acknowledge him and trust that it's not my heart, but it's God's heart. So our second principle, our second sermon is we want to use our decisions to show who God is. Decisions, that's about the way. Hey, God's the way. Hey, decisions, I want the truth. I want the right answer. God's the truth. Hey man, I want to make a decision that just opens up life for me. Hey, God's the life. We want decisions that show that in our lives. Then our last sermon our last message in principle today is, folks, we, if we're going to make, if we're going to, if we're going to have a life that always works, we need to know who we're working for. Look at Colossians 3 here. Whatever you do, now that's a, boy, that's a big phrase right there, isn't it? Whatever you do could be kind of the big picture thing. Boy, whatever you do in life, I'm going to, I'm going to go into this career or I'm going to make this kind of decision and be this over here. It can be that. It can also be real small and mundane. Hey, whatever you're going to do today. Whatever you do, from the really big things to the little tiny daily things, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You, folks, this is maybe one of the most important lines you can ever grab a hold of. Tattoo this on your eyeballs. You are serving the Lord Christ. When? Whatever you do. <laughs> whatever you do on whatever day you do it you are serving the Lord Christ hey so here it is folks okay what so you're getting up you're going to school you're going to work you're going to practice you're going to the gym you're going out on a date you're going to pay bills you're going to run errands you're going to work in the yard I wouldn't recommend working in the yard this week but you're, you're going to go do any of those things hey whatever you're going to do do it with zeal, do it with passion, do it with truth, honesty, genuineness, do it, do it with everything you've got a commitment to be excellent. Folks, it's based on a lot, this line right here that I believe, and don't you too, you have to. Whenever you go to work, the hardest person working at any job on this planet ought to be the believer. The hardest working, best working, most committed to doing that job well ought to be the Christian. The hardest working, most honest student in the classroom ought to be the Christian. The one busting a gut in practice ought to be the Christian. Because no matter what, folks, we're doing it for the Lord. Listen, never again. Never again are we unmotivated or demotivated by that boss, that coach, that teacher. Never again are we unmotivated, demotivated because it's not worth it. The, the payoff's not big enough. Hey, we're doing it for the Lord and he's promised us a reward, an inheritance in eternal life. Folks, we, we don't ever have to struggle with what other people struggle. Yes, life can be very demotivating. Not our problem. I'm always serving the Lord Christ. Whatever you do, the big stuff, the little stuff, whatever you do, you're doing it for him and he is worth it. Boy, this reminds me of a, 
in, in the movie, The Chariots of Fire, which I thought of the other day when I was writing this. I think I quote The Chariots of Fire about every 21 sermons. I, 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 and I'm due. It's today's number 21. I don't even think I use that many lines. I just use the same ones over and over. I just make them fit for that sermon. Uh, but, but today, this really does fit. I, I'm thinking of that moment. In, in, they're in a study. And Eric Little, the, the, the Scottish athlete, the Olympians, talking to his dad. And, and, he, and he says to his dad, he says, Dad, when I run, I feel his pleasure. Hey, folks, whatever you do. Do it in a way you get to feel his pleasure, right? Come on, a little encouragement there, right? Yeah, come on. Hey, folks, you know what? God loves watching you live. You know that? He enjoys watching you live. What a lie that we have in our, in our nature and we have in humanity that, that God is angry and, and he's peering over the precipice of heaven just playing gotcha politics 24-7 and as soon as he gotcha, whap, he slaps you upside the back of the head. Hey, by the way, folks, sometimes the most loving and kind thing God is doing is slapping you upside the back of the head. Do you realize that doesn't make God mean Sometimes that's just what you need. And he cares enough to give it to you. Thank him for that, by the way. But that fact that in that way, in that moment, that's the loving and caring thing to do, does not mean God is angry and waiting to slap you. God loves watching you live. You say, how do you know God loves watching me live? Because I'm a dad. And dads love watching their kids live. A couple of weeks ago, Two Fridays ago, uh, Karen and I went to, to Hampton. My daughter is a fourth grade teacher there in a, uh, in a small uh, private school, Christian school. And I think sometime prior before that, she was having some kind of discussion with her students and it, and it led to the topic of heaven. And so she, she calls me up after that day and she says, uh, would you come and, and talk to my class about heaven? And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, talk to fourth graders. That sounds, that sounds hard. But it's what she wanted. So I said, Yes. Okay, and, and so I, I, we're going there, Karen and I go there together, and uh, as I'm pulling up to the school, I realize, because she's been there for two years, but last year she was in a different class, she had a different assignment, so I think, hey, this is, this is actually the first time I've been here since she's teaching her fourth grade class, and, uh, and then I realized I've never actually seen her teach, not, not with like really children sitting there right in front of her. And, and so, you know, I walked in and got to see her little work environment and what she was doing. And that was really kind of cool. And then after we finished that, we, we went to their, uh, their they got apartment, townhome, I don't, whatever it is. And, uh, but they had just moved there. They just moved from where they were to this new one. And, and we hadn't seen that yet. And so, uh, man, we, we, we go in there. I mean, it's, it's nice. I think, man, this is, I'd like to live here. Who gave you the money for all this? This is incredible. And, and so we're seeing their kind of their living environment and what they're doing. That's all fun. We're talking about life and they're, they're talking about decisions that they're making. Matter of fact, they're, they're, they were talking what a lot of our conversation was they're, they're going to get a dog. And, and so they have Googled or researched the best apartment dogs. And, and so now they are already in the process. They're adopting, I guess it's rescuing is the right word, a greyhound. Yeah, I'm like... That's a big, skinny, fast dog, right? You know, I'm thinking, that, okay, I, I mean, I wouldn't have gotten a greyhound. I didn't care if I wouldn't have got a greyhound. It was just cool watching them get one. I mean, it's just kind of cool. So we're, you know, we're there watching their living environment. So then we, we go, when we came back from Hampton, we, you know that long bridge across the water? 
So we cross that to go to their, to their apartment. And then right down from their apartment, about 10 more minutes, is Smithfield. Y'all been to Smithfield? Know that area? It's a cool little town to walk around in. So we go there to eat, and we're walking around town. And uh, as a matter of fact, they're going back the very next morning to, to hang out with some friends and, and walk around in there. So it's like, you think about what I just said, folks. In just like six hours, I got this snapshot of, of them at work and, and them in kind of their house and living environment and decisions they're making. And, and then I got to see them at play. And, and so when the evening was over, Karen and I get in the car to come back. And I, I, I don't usually use this word about myself, but it's the only word I can think of. We were just kind of giddy. It was just kind of fun watching them live. I wouldn't have done everything that they're doing, but it didn't matter. I just enjoyed watching them live. And folks, if I enjoy that, how much more our Heavenly Father? Because He's just a lot better dad than I am. And He's got a lot more buy-in to His kids than I do. Folks, there's nothing more enjoyable in life. There's nothing greater in life than to live just to bring a smile to your father. And so that, that's, that's our third principle. That's going to be kind of the third thing we let guide us here is we're going to use our work, our play, all that we do to show who God is in our life. An angry God waiting to judge us. A God who's up there measuring whether we've been good enough, whether we've done... No, I'm, I, I want you to see me do all these things and show you how much fun it is to live for my loving father, to, to, to live for my savior. Folks, you take, you take these three principles and I think we need to put them on a card on the mirror in our bathroom. We need a card in our, in our car. We need one in the locker. We need one at, at, at work so that all day long, I mean, how many times can we stop in a day and say, hey, wait a minute, did what I just do? Did, did I? And we just go through those three principles. You know what you're gonna find is almost everything you do relates to all three principles. Because first of all, everything you do, you do with your body, right? Not a whole lot of us do things without our body along, right? The answer is yes, that's right. This is not biology or anything like that, okay? Yeah, I mean, so you, you, you're just all day long, you're trying to, or what am I, hey, I'm getting ready to go do this. What do these three principles speak to in what I'm about to go and do? You know, folks, it, it made me think, man, it, we just need to be measuring all day long, you know, our spiritual life and using these principles. And what's funny, I'm working, so I'm working on this sermon yesterday and going over it and uh my my wife gave me for for valentine's day a a fitbit do y'all know what this is have y'all heard of that so it's it's this thing here and uh by the way when i preach i'm like a machine because i have walked eleven thousand and five steps in the three sermons this morning what i'm talking about what I'm talking about. So I, I deserve a nap. Y'all, not so much. I deserve a nap. Okay. But anyway, so you wear this thing, 11,014. And so you wear this thing. Okay. And so like all day long, I, I see my heartbeat. I can see how many steps I've taken, how many flights I've climbed, how many calories I've burned. I go to, of course, you got to go to the computer and plug in, you know, what food you've eaten. And then, so, it's, so all day long, I have something telling me where I am physically. Where I am in my physical fitness. And so yesterday, you know, I'm working on my sermon. Then I sit down at my computer and I'm setting up my watch. And then I work on my, and then it dawns on me. Shoot, that's what I need. I need a machine on my arm all day long. Not measuring my, my physical fitness, but my, my spiritual fitness. I guess we'd call it a spit bit. I didn't. No, there's an R missing, isn't there? Yeah, that doesn't sound right. But, but wouldn't that be cool? If I could put something on and all day long, it's not telling me how many steps. 
steps I've taken, but how I'm using my body for him. And, and it's measuring what's going on inside with my decisions. And it's measuring, you know, what I do. And if it's for his smile, if it could just measure. And then I thought, hey, wait a minute. Okay, it'd be kind of cool if I could wear it on my wrist. But God's given me more than something to wear on my wrist. He put the Holy Spirit inside me. 24-7, he's always, always, always living there. And so I've got the Holy Spirit and I've got the Bible. That's it. No, I can't trust my heart to tell me what my spiritual fitness is, right? Y'all with me? Jeremiah 17, 9, your heart's more deceitful and I was desperately sick. But I do have the scripture and I do have the Holy Spirit. And if I'll slow down and I'll stop and I'll ask, hey, how am I doing? Am I using this body, the hands, the feet? Am I using that the way you would? Did that decision point to you? Did it acknowledge who you are in my life? Hey, do I take on life? Do I do my errands? Do I do my job with bitterness and anger? (laughs) Or am I doing it like I'm doing it for the Lord? You see, every day I've got something to help me measure what I'm doing. And folks, it just makes life work. I mean, that's just the bottom line. You don't make wrong decisions with these principles. You don't end up going down a road. You don't want to go with these principles. You always do the right thing. It just makes life work. Now, when I'm saying it makes life work, I want to be clear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying, you, you know, in this system, boy, you don't get cancer. Boy, in this system, you don't ever have a bad boss. Boy, in this system, the water heater never breaks. No, it, all those things can still happen. But with this system... You now have a way to navigate that cancer, that bad boss, and that water heater in a way in which you bring a smile to your father and life just works. We still live in a fallen world and we're going to collide. Our bodies are going to collide with that fallen world. But folks, what God is trying to give you and me is an ability and a way to do that that has the least amount of issues, the greatest amount of joy, the greatest sense of purpose, the greatest energy level at which to take it on in a way that when it's all said and done, we have a smile. You can live for God, put a smile on his face. And, and you don't do that because you're just such a good and wonderful person. You don't do that because you're more spiritual than the person next to you. Now you can live for God because Jesus died for you. Honor the Lord. And he's just waiting. He's so excited to honor you. Let's pray. Father, help us to realize that this whole honor you and you'll honor me thing, it's, it's not a deal where you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. You're not going to honor a life that doesn't honor you because the life that doesn't honor you breaks me and it breaks people around me and it breaks our world. So you can't give significance and value to that. No, it's the life that honors you that puts so much joy and purpose and meaning in life. It's the life that is thinking about how I engage this body to show who you are. The life that is thinking about decisions that that just continually and constantly acknowledge how wonderful you are, how, how, how good you are. It's the opportunity, Lord, to live a life, whatever I'm doing today, from errands to my job, to do it with a smile, to do it with passion, to do it with energy because you've given me the opportunity that no matter what I'm doing, I can do it for you. 
Lord, I pray that the greatest affection of our heart would be your smile. Pray there's nothing more that that drives us, nothing more that excites us than your smile. And I thank you that in your word, you show me how with my body, how with my decisions, and in how with whatever I'm going to do today, I can enjoy your pleasure and your smile. I was dead in honoring my own life. And Jesus died for me so I could be forgiven of that. Be born again and now live a life so profoundly that whatever I do, you enjoy. Thank you for that opportunity, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.